0: disappears yeah. I forgot he was there for long stretches then all of a sudden he'd pop oh, oh, up again yeah. Like, Jump oh yeah drop where I I'm as mad as hell and I'm not gonna take this anymore so you lie to yourself to be happy there's nothing wrong with that we all do it we all go a little mad sometimes come on one of you nuts has got any guts what's with a smile on that face you're only as healthy as you feel listen to me listen to you but what right because I have a right to be uh, and I have a voice
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. All right. So this week, after we've covered Catherine Bigelow's older film, Near Dark, we are taking a look at her new release, which is, I guess, the big release or at least the big release that made any money. Uh, We are going to take a look at Detroit. Uh, Thank God we're not talking about the Dark Tower, which just bombed at the box office. So uh, in order to do that, I have a repeat guest.
0: I have Baruch of the Cinema Bun Podcast. Thanks for being here, Baruch of course of course once again you know back on the show to to solve racism again yeah i mean we keep having to do this i don't know and i don't know why i keep doing it because i'm i mean racism i don't know if you know it's 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 a really big market nowadays and i think a lot of money in that yeah i'm giving away all this information for free and all these strategies i think i need to stop yeah this is probably not good we need to get too paid if you're if you're gonna do this (laughs) (laughs) that's for sure Uh, and thank thank goodness we're not doing the dark tower i wow yeah i heard not, uh, not that i expected it to do well
1: yeah but, yeah i mean i've heard not great i kind of want to see i'm actually more curious to see it now than i was a week ago because <laughs> like cause can it's it a- be that bad like mm-hmm. i mean and i love idris elba i'll watch him do anything on screen so you know i'll probably end up seeing it eventually <laughs> um, so before we get into uh the movie detroit why don't you tell people about your podcast and where they can listen
0: yeah, so I co-host the Cinema Bun Podcast with Tanja Renee Sidham We talk movies, we usually review a film every week, and then also uh, take another episode during the week to talk just about recent movie news and uh, have a discussion about a uh, movie-related topic of our choice. Um, and uh, we've taken a little bit of a break. Um, I think the last episode we did, we reviewed, oh boy, it was like weeks ago. I don't even Girl remember strip. what girl's trip there yeah. we go look at this guy see, see i listen <laughs> <His research. laughs> i don't listen to my own show i, I don't have that much <laughs> that much arrogance you know um but no yes girl's trip great movie if you haven't seen it uh you it's can great. check out our episode uh, there and we are on uh itunes apple Podcasts, or whatever it's called now <laughs> um we're on stitcher we're on google play we're on pretty much every uh podcasting app that you use except for soundcloud uh, so check Dangerous us out. Dangerous
1: place to be that sound club, yeah. you, you don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, definitely check out Cinema Bun, one of my favorites, as you could tell, unlike the host of the show, I actually know what movie they're talking about, so <laughs> so yeah, you should definitely check them out, one of, one of my favorite podcasts. All right, so uh... Whew, Detroit, okay, so... <laughs> so let's just get into it. So the first thing I want to say is I'm a big Catherine Bigelow fan, like I've I've seen just about all her movies and enjoyed, and I think all of them have at least been good. Like anywhere from good to great is kind of where she ranks. Um, and I think this is a very well-made movie. It is fantastically directed. It is wonderfully acted. Uh, it's 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 well-written. There may be some things in there that that feel a little, just a tiny bit too, uh, you know, not all cops going on there, just just a little bit too much. But I understand. You need something to grab onto in this movie, um, but let me also say this: this is this is one of the hardest film experiences I've had, like as a viewer. Like this, like I walked out of it thinking, like this, and and this is from a white guy. <laughs> so I walked out of this thinking, like that was one of the most brutal things I've ever seen, and this is not. This is not in terms of like blood and gore or anything like that, but just the way people are treated on screen. And I'm, and I really still, like, I saw this three or four days ago, and I'm really still having a difficult time with it. And a difficult time, like, a lot has been said about this even before the movie came out about the fact that, you know, there were basically no black women in this story. And that's true. Black women are mainly kind of props in this story you know they're there to support the men after bad things have happened they're there to be voices in the crowd and that's about it and that's definitely a problem but the kind of bigger problem i think and after this i'm just going to let you speak on it because i think you have you know you have more of an experience to, to speak on here I have some um, thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i bet um the idea of one is catherine bigelow the right person to tell this story as a privileged white woman uh, to the idea of black people being beaten and tortured for entertainment. Um, and, and just this idea of who this story is for, right? I, I like the idea that we have a story that tells us, you know, we actually haven't changed that much as a society and things need to change. But given where we are, In 2017, with, you know, all of the all of the black people who have been shot and killed for no reason by police. Who is this story for that doesn't know this? And is it going and is there is there a point to it? And does there have to be, you know, or is this a movie that can just be made and taken at face value?
0: Yeah, um so uh one i, I really quickly want to say i completely agree with you that this film is just really really well directed um i'm certainly a fan of Catherine bigelow um have not made it through her whole filmography but i've certainly seen you know the last three films of hers you know hurt mm. locker and, and and zero dark 30 being two of them um this this has a lot of the same style and aesthetic yeah. as those two films um and and bigelow is is Fantastic as well as her um, cinematographer who I think she worked with over the past these past three films um, They do a really great job of setting up these scenes with a lot of tension um, and just just really making the uh, Scenes and experiences visceral for the audience Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's necessary in in such a kind of brutal uh, Event such as this as the Algiers motel uh, uh, event so I really Enjoyed that about the film and thought Mm -hmm. the film did that. Well, um, as far as, as like the subject matter and how it was treated and things like that. Um, first of all, I, I, I didn't know much about the Algiers motel. Uh, event before this film um you know i had to read up on it and and stuff like that i knew generally about the detroit riots that was you know in my mind but again like the details were foreign to me um with a lot of this and and coming into the one thing to
1: mention is the mm -hmm. details are really not there a lot of this is filled in by the writers
0: so yes yeah there is a lot of uh yeah, there's a lot of filling in the gaps because um, there isn't really a good record of exactly what happened. No one Weird really that the knows. police in
1: Detroit wouldn't keep a good record of what happened <laughs> in this situation.
0: <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> uh, but I remember, I remember when the film um, was talked about or announced that it was going into development, and you're just hearing, you know, Catherine Bigelow being attached and then John Boyega being attached, and it being about the, you know, the Detroit riots. It was like it certainly got my interest, and I was like, yeah, this is yeah. this this has the potential to be really really great, and uh, you know, um, it's really good, or or I was really looking forward to having a film touch on an event like that. You know, this just event that's within the within the scope of this, you know, dark part of our American history, you know, mm-hmm. our collective American history. Um, and then and then, of course, leading up to the release, leading up to me seeing it, there was a lot of press, a lot of stuff online about, you know, you mentioned the lack of you know, black women. that was that was sort of that sort of started around the time the trailers were released. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then reports of just how uh, brutal or, or seeing these these black bodies victimized didn't really feel like it had a point. It felt more like torture porn to certain, to to some people. Um, and, and there, there definitely... are definite
1: portions of this movie that feel like a horror movie, like the, yes. the experience you get, yes. especially with these people like lined up against the wall and being told like not to turn around with guns at their head. Like this felt like a, in a lot of ways, a locked room horror movie. But the difference is the only people who were being terrorized were either black people or white people who had sex with black people. Like yes. everyone else was in a position of power. Including right. a black person who was on the side of the white cops. So there's a lot <laughs> there's a the lot other, of issues there. And I'm not saying that didn't happen. Right. But like the feeling you get is definitely
0: rough. Right. And so um so I guess one of the one of the questions you posited, you know, should should Catherine Bigelow be the one to tell this story? Um I mean that's something that is really difficult to like you know give a straight answer for right Right. Uh, ideally ideally you want you do you want people of color telling their stories not just because they're the only ones who can tell it but specifically because one they share or or should uh, share some kind of connective experience with the characters that they're, you know, writing about or filming. Right. So so that gives them, you know, somewhat of an advantage, you would think. So there's less um, of
1: a chance of those characters just being a means to an end. Yes. Of like your lesson, whatever it may be.
0: Yes, yes. And in, in addition to that, just the fact that in, in Hollywood and in film, um, people of color... Haven't been given a lot of opportunities. You would think, at the very least, they should be given the opportunities to tell their own stories. Right. This might be a good place um, to start. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, in in both of those instances, you know, the the macro level here, yes, a person of color ideally should have told this story. Should Catherine Bigelow specifically not tell it? I, you know, I, I I don't know. That's that's and not that's an important distinction. No. It's an important yes.
1: distinction, and and I think what you're talking about is like. Would it be better if someone else told this story? Yeah, probably. I think Should she <laughs> never tell this story? That's dependent on the director. That's dependent on the story yes. and how it comes across.
0: Yes, yes. It is not impossible for a white person to tell a black person's story on, in, on film. That is, that is, I mean, I will, you know, the color purple. Like, there, mm-hmm. you just, it's not impossible, right? And that's, I think oftentimes that is not the critique. The critique is, can people of color get the chance to do this themselves? (laughs) Can they even get the opportunity? Is that possible? You know, um, seeing, seeing black bodies in this film, um, you know, physically, emotionally tortured for a long, long period of time.
1: Oh yeah. And this is not a short movie. The movie is almost two and a half hours long. And the stuff at the hotel happens maybe 25 minutes into this. So, I mean, you're talking about a full movie's worth of black people in terror.
0: Yeah. 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 It was, it was certainly, it was certainly troubling to see, or it was, it was, it was visceral in a way. But what's interesting is, um, when I was watching it, it felt to me kind of, it felt visceral, but also vapid in a way. Hmm. Because, um, because at least for me, one of the biggest flaws to me of this film, um, is that I didn't feel like I knew who these characters were, and that kind of played into this notion where I felt like these were these were basically bodies there to be tortured and brutalized, mm. but not characters, not people that were being brutalized, you know. Right. And 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 this kind of goes into who this film was for, to me, right. And and there's something to be said about you know, um um like it, it reminds me of. MLK, who during the Selma marches specifically p- picked Selma as a place to have their march because he felt like he could take advantage of the very racist and violent police force there and then create or, or you know share images and videos with the white populace that would get them to feel some sort of empathy. For their cause right that was kind of the point mlk knew that they were going to get beat and victimized and brutalized right, so it wasn't Um,
1: about uh, Necessarily a peaceful protest. It was about we're going to be peaceful and we're going to spur them to action to do something terrible and that's going to get the attention of the white populace Sure, yes
0: And this movie kind of felt that way it felt Hmm. like Catherine bigelow's goal here was to we are going to show these these black people getting victimized and brutalized and that is what happened um Mm -hmm. we're gonna show that and the people who watch this are going to feel this emotion and and a lot of the you know consensus out there as far as like critics and stuff like that were that they felt something this was this this evoked a really intense emotion you know fear anger and helplessness and it was it was you know intensely visceral to them but Black people and I don't know, maybe I'll amend that to some black people. I don't know. I want to I don't want to speak for everyone. But black people as a whole, I feel like, you know, felt like they did not need that. We didn't need to feel this. We have felt this. And to me, it didn't feel that sequence didn't feel much different to watching necessarily like cell phone footage of yeah. police brutality it was just here let's just let's just watch this person right who we haven't really been introduced to it's just better this. film quality i mean that's... yes <laughs> yes and uh... and and so it just it felt in a way like i no, i don't i don't need to see this this isn't this isn't really doing anything for me and and specifically because i didn't feel like i, I knew any of these characters i mean even our main character uh who i would argue is larry Mm -hmm. um yeah the the singer Mm -hmm. um even him i i feel like i i know just very little about and and then all of a sudden he's thrust into this really terrible situation and i i feel empathy for him just because he is a person who bleeds but yeah Yeah. as far as this as far as a film is concerned with a narrative structure and and some kind of arc that you're expecting i i didn't get much in this in in that in that way and even the aftermath of this event um there's a moment in this film where you see parents grieving over the death of of their child and and i'm sitting there like wait whose parent is this i don't wait which right. which person and and right. there's this disconnect i don't know much about these people and and so that that adds to this feeling that these bodies were just there in this film to be brutalized and that was supposed to evoke an emotion and it did for a lot of people um but there there are people out there including me who just felt like i did not need to see that to Mm. feel something (laughs) you know i i already feel it (laughs) um and that was to me that was the biggest flaw of the film
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. So the things you said brought up a, a lot of thoughts uh that I didn't necessarily have during the movie. And it made me wonder, like, there's a way to make a movie not about this, but a movie like this, where terrible things happen to innocent people, where I can understand why you wouldn't want to delve too much into characterization. Cause the whole idea is like, this could happen at any time. This could happen to sure. anyone. So like, sure. we're not going to focus on, well, let's tell the story of this person's life all the way up to Algiers. But mm-hmm. what you, what you said at, at the end about the, the parents, you know, grieving over their dead child. It also made me think that in the script, they made it a point to bring up this idea of, you know, if this had been, um, if this has been white men with black women, no one would have cared. And then it made yes. me think, like, maybe we're focusing script-wise just a little too much on the plight of the poor, innocent white girl you know and of course they're the ones who kind of get to escape the situation i mean there is one mm-hmm. one black character who is kind of given. i mean and it is a very weird sequence and there's no way you can avoid it where this black character on his knees is given freedom by a white person and authority and it's got like a yeah. Like yeah. kind of yeah. slave free slave narrative going on and the way and it was just <laughs> kind of like uh, and i felt really uncomfortable with it and i started thinking like how could they get this across in a better way and it's it's really tough given the situation and given kind of the racial dynamics of Detroit at that point in time. But there was just a little bit of like, I think you can see that this was written and directed by white people. And I don't think they're bad people. I don't think they necessarily shouldn't have ever made this movie, but there's, there's some problematic stuff there and it's, and there's stuff that's really tough to watch. I did find this movie visceral, but not in a way where I walked out thinking like I learned something. I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. think I learned anything. From Mm -hmm. watching this movie. Um, And I don't know if that makes me like more insightful than most people. I don't know. Um, But I, I feel like you brought up another good point about like this is kind of just like seeing things, seeing cell phone videos at this point. And it makes me wonder, is this movie any better or does it teach us any more if it comes out 10 years ago? Uh, before, like, you know, this kind of constant leaks of, you know, what are you talking about, Eric Garner, you know, anyone yeah, else who's yeah. been killed by the police recently where we've actually seen this happen. And I wonder if seeing this happen on screen would shake people into action, or, or if we wonder if we would have thought it would have. Because I think we all thought, you know, mm-hmm. at some point within the last five years, that one of these videos, oh, well, this is... I mean, this is literally the smoking gun. We're going to, okay, this cop is going to get fired. Things are going to change. And then nothing fucking changes. Um, But I wonder if this movie came out long before that, if it makes more sense and feels more worthy of black people's time.
0: I... Okay, of, of black people's time. Um... Yeah, we're actually for once not going to talk about white people. <laughs> we talk about us enough. Because I was, I was, I was ready to, I was ready to jump in and say N- it's not going to change anything about white people. I yeah. think they would react to that movie ten years ago just like they oh, react yeah. to the cell phone video now. Yep. Black people, I think, I think, sure, I think in a way maybe mm-hmm. the reaction would be a little bit different if you know it, it because in the past you know whatever five or so years we've been bombarded with these kinds of you know videos really you know clearly showing police brutality. Um, yeah, the reaction might've been different. I think, mm-hmm. I think definitely. Um, I think, I think the, uh, the flaws in the lack of characterization would still be there. I think that would sure. still be a problem and it would still kind of make it a little, um, uh, I, I, I just, I, I, it'd be hard for at least for me to connect with those characters even then. Sure. Um, and it, and it, it kind of what's interesting is I, I read this interview that Catherine Bigelow did and, and her goal is the way she talks about her. The goal with this film is to try to inform and also leave her sentiments out of the film and just stick to the information that she gathered. And, and the information it, it, they created. I mean, let's let's be honest. And and yes, of course. Of <laughs> yeah. course. So so they had to create some of this information. And it's interesting. Once once they put all that together, I I, I don't know, it, it feels there are certainly moments that feel really disjointed in a way that mm-hmm. kind of, I think, speaks to that, where it's like, I don't know if. She she was just really trying hard not to put her own opinions or thoughts or feelings into the film, and then that caused it to just feel very uh, – I, I don't know, without without any um, purpose, right, or without right. any – And it feel can feel
1: hollow and distant, like if you try to yes. remove distant. all yes. of your yes. – you know. I, I think actually that's one of the big issues I had with the movie and the violence. It's not so much the violence. It's not so much – even so much who it happens to, but just the – The callousness with which it happens, and of course that's what happens when you have, you know, racist cops as some of your main characters, but that distance and that lack of horror at these actions, like you hear people screaming about it, but it's usually from another room, like you don't really, for me, I never really got the true ramifications of what was going on, and weirdly, the most ramifications you got uh, was, I'm trying to remember the name of the actor. Um, oh, Jack Rainer, uh of all people, uh, star of Sing Street, playing one of the racist cops. I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. But his, like, difficulty in deciding whether to actually shoot someone. Like, that was this weird moment mm-hmm. in the film where you have, like, this kind of emotional discussion within within a character, but you don't really, because the black people are victims in this movie, you don't get most of them having moments where they get to decide anything that happens to them. I think the most you get of that, um, is our, our veteran character, which is actually one of my favorite scenes in the film, like that. That back and forth, I think that really worked. But everyone else, it like, like you mentioned, the lack of characterization is part of it. But the situation is part of it, too, where these mm-hmm. people literally could be anyone. So it's hard to end up connecting with them other, on any other level other than, isn't this awful that this is happening to black people by white cops? So it's not so much a character as it is like a stand-in for racial problems. And I'm not sure yes. it ever completely works.
0: Yes. Yes. Completely agree with that. You know, it's, you know, look at what's happening to, to these, to these black people. Um, but then it's, it's hard or I don't know that it really allows audiences to make that connection with people within their own lives. Right. right. It it feels it, uh, I think like you said before, it feels distant. It is all right. This, this is happening over there while I'm over here. And wow, like I, I feel for them because I'm watching it, but then I leave the theater and like, okay, this is, this is something that's over there and I'm over here kind of. Yeah. Right. Um, and then let me see. Um, um, I just – yeah, I just really wanted the, – the three acts in this film, the first kind of follows the, the, the Detroit riots or Detroit rebellion as, mm-hmm. as, as some um, um, call it. I thought it. that stuff um, was
1: actually pretty well handled. Like I, I, I like the introduction, like kind of giving us a context about why people are where they are, and the kind of setup of the rebellion itself. Like, like really worked, but once we got to real characters, I think it, it has some issues.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even I, I agree and disagree. Like, I, I think, I think there were certainly parts of that first act that were handled well. I. I Part of me, though, is kind of like, again, goes back to the question of who is this for and what 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 else are you giving me here? Like, okay, we get this really quick animated, like uh, context surrounding like, oh, you know, um, over time, like black people have kind of been mistreated. And (laughs) you didn't know um, (laughs) slavery was (laughs) a thing. Yes. Yeah. And then and then we're we're thrown into, you know, the inciting incident for for the riots Mm -hmm. um, and the riots happen. But for me, it was kind of like I, I don't know the first visual, the first true visual, visualization we get of the people of Detroit is them basically, you know, getting into this crowd and oh. starting a riot. Right. And to me, that felt that felt a little bit weird where we it's just at were least kind simplistic of, at the, at the very least. Yes,
1: And in a two and a half hour long movie, you probably have time to be less simplistic
0: and more complex. Oh my God. If, sure. if this was, if this was a four or five hour long movie, like you could actually add in all of that context, like sure. the appropriate context that you would need for a lot of this stuff. And I get that. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate. Cause to me it was kind of like, I mean, what you really need if you're if you're trying to change hearts or whatever, I don't know, you know, but what you really need is the context that led up to why somebody, why people, why a crowd would make the decision to just burn their their city down. Right. Yeah. It's hard to connect with that living in suburbia or wherever you are. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't have those kinds of thoughts. Right. Why would you do that? So d- giving us like a paragraph in the beginning of this movie. To try to contextualize that doesn't it, it doesn't do enough in in my opinion. Um, and again, I time constraints and editing and you know I, I get that you know fine. Um, it just it just didn't do enough in that sense of really making you uh, sympathize with the town of Detroit. And then we get into the Algiers, and I don't know that there's much yeah. done as far as sympathizing those characters in that instance. And then and then we rush through the kind of rushed through the third act with the trial and the aftermath. Yeah. And I I will say I did kind of enjoy seeing um, Larry as a character. He got somewhat of an arc and I enjoyed seeing kind of the aftermath and that that felt it didn't feel good that he didn't get, you know, a happy ending. But that uh, that's that's what happened. There isn't really an ending. It's just a shitty situation. And now your life is kind of messed up because you're dealing with this trauma you know um but again it even even that felt kind of disjointed where we go from i mean there's literally a scene where i see where we see larry with his family and then a few minutes later we see him alone kind of freezing in an apartment by himself Mm -hmm. eating out of a eating out of a pan and it's like wait what what happened there you can fill in the gaps yourself as an audience member obviously i don't need you to necessarily like drag me along each and every step of the way and how he got to this point but it just felt kind of like joint and we just we're just there
1: yeah so i think i think we're going to talk more about that that i don't even know if you call it a third act maybe that three and a half uh, that whole courtroom sequence and spoilers. But one thing I wanted to talk about before we get to that is you mentioned kind of the, the critic response, you know, being like, Oh, I really yeah. felt something. This is, yeah. I mean, I think the thing on Rotten Tomatoes, like their, their summary of it is like a very difficult, but necessary lesson in American history, you know, some mm-hmm. people really, and, and I think at some, I think that's good that it's reaching some people. I think that's a good thing. Yes. But um, what I will say is I think this really does it really makes it stand out the need uh for critics who aren't me. <laughs> who aren't white guys, right? Specifically you. Yes, me. Get me out of here. Uh no, white guys in general. Um I so I read a review, I just wanted I mean, she doesn't need me pumping her up. She's on Rogerebert.com for God's sakes. But yes, uh, I know. Jake Bastion agree, yeah. wrote a review that is pretty tremendous. Um uh, she had some problems with the film technically as well that I didn't really have, but I can, I can mm-hmm. certainly mm-hmm. see her point. But I remember seeing, you know, of course I'm on Twitter way too often. And, uh, you know, remember seeing that, that review go by before I saw the movie. And of course they take the most salacious bits of that review, like, you know, Detroit left me, you know, crying and angry and I've had enough. And, and, and sometimes when, uh, when you surround yourself with with people on Twitter, you know, quote-unquote social justice warriors, whatever terms you want to use or terms you want to steal from other cultures, um, whatever you see that, sometimes the overload of it gets to you. And I remember, and I'm going to be honest, I remember seeing that and rolling my eyes a little bit and being like, okay, is it really that bad? Like, is it really that awful to watch this for 150 minutes? Um, And then I saw the movie uh, and tried my best to put myself in the place of someone who is not me. Uh, which the movie is, is not great at, at having you do, really. Um, uh, it mm-hmm. does create that distance. And then I read the review and it's a tremendous review and I kind of, and I understand. I, I can understand having, having that reaction because it's, it's really interesting because she talks about being really upset, but not about what's going on on screen necessarily. Like it's not as if the film created this visceral reaction in her. It was more like, what the fuck? Why am I why am I sitting through this? Like I said, like you mentioned, like this yeah. doesn't feel any different from real life, so what's the point here? So I would definitely highly recommend reading that review. It's my favorite review I've seen of Detroit so far. I think she brings up a lot of good points, not only technically but culturally as well that I think are are really important to read. So don't be turned off by any salacious headlines you see of her work because she's an excellent critic, not only for this movie but but a good critic just in general and and worth reading for sure.
0: Yes. Yeah, definitely echo those sentiments. And, and, and I think it's, it's important. I mean, this is one of those films that is, is really going to, you know, if, if we needed it, shine a light on, um, what film criticism, you know, can be and should be, which is, you know, film is different things to different people. Right. And Wait, your art subjective? Ex- Are you, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, Baruch. <Brooke>. My <laughs> way. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know and, and and so your your cultural context is is really going to play a big role in how you uh-huh. you see a film and how you experience something and and for this, you know, if this elicits an emotion that causes change for white people, then great. I don't think it's gonna do that for black people and it doesn't seem like it has from what I've read right um, and and I don't I don't know that it makes it, you know uh uh I don't know if that that makes Catherine Bigelow wrong for what she did I, I i wouldn't argue that yeah it's just it is it is maybe it is for certain people and not for others um and and that it, it's it's a complex it's a complex thing yeah uh, that's that's kind of where I'll leave it um I guess before I that, we get into spoilers yeah go ahead one one last thing mm-hmm. uh about the marketing <laughs> if I can change it up yeah sure. John Boyega is plastered. Oh my God. Okay. All right.
1: Like, okay. So, so I walked into this movie thinking this was a Catherine Bigelow movie starring John Boyega. (laughs) This may be a Catherine Bigelow movie featuring John Boyega. And that's being
0: kind. Yeah.
1: And, and I think we can talk about this more in spoilers, but there, that's a character I think that is a missed opportunity. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot to explore in that character that is just completely dropped in that third act. Like, when you have a black character helping. I mean, I mean, not to put a two point too fine a point on it, but like assisting cops in a situation where they killed a bunch of innocent black people. I mean, that's a really interesting character study. Like, what yeah. is the line where you stop? What where is the good you feel like you're doing? And, you know, they have a little bit of that when Algiers first starts and then like things just ramp up to a point that he just kind of disappears into the background.
0: Disappears. Yeah. I forgot he was there for long stretches and all of a sudden he'd pop like, up oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, Finn is here. I forgot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a problem. Yeah, the marketing was very strange for this movie. And also with the marketing, you could tell they thought they were teaching a lesson. Like, I can't remember what the tagline was, but, like, something about, now you're gonna know the truth, or now, you know, the story will be told, and it feels yeah. like this very lofty idea of this story. And, and no, I didn't know about the Algiers uh, hotel incident, but, like, I mean, maybe you could speak this. Did anything surprise you in what happened in this movie? Like, I, I, I feel like you could have told me this setup, and I'll be like, oh, well, here's what's going to happen. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah, and yep, yep, and cross all, the, you know, check all the boxes. Like, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah,
0: like, yeah. I mean, I mean, okay, '60s America. All right, I, it doesn't even have to be Detroit. '60s America. Okay, I can yeah. tell you exactly what's gonna happen. I mean, it could be '90s
1: America. It could be, I mean, it's like this is. <laughs> I mean, cops getting away with murder for literally ever. So, I mean, like, since yeah, cops were yeah. around, they were getting away with killing people. I mean, it's – yeah, it's – and I think the thing – before we go to spoilers, one very last thing. The thing I struggled most with as I walked out of this movie is, like, who would I recommend this movie to? And I had a really mm-hmm. difficult time. Like, if you're a big Catherine Bigelow fan, sure, because you want to see everything she does. She's a more than competent filmmaker. I think she's – I mean, to me – Technically, she's one of our best. Like, I think she's a phenomenal filmmaker, and she's worth seeing. But if you're talking about, like, who can I recommend this to, one, for a good theater experience, or for, like, this is who this is for, I I just don't know. (laughs) You know, I know a lot of people who are cinephiles who see everything, so I don't have to recommend anything to them. But, like... I mean, I might recommend this to, like, my dad, who is a history professor. I think it's, like, interesting from a history perspective. But, like, I can't I can't imagine this movie reaching the people who it really needs to reach. Well, I be- fucking because... racist white people because they're not going to care. Like, no. this is not no. going to affect them. This is going to affect people who are already on your side of the fence.
0: And, 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 and that's the thing with with Catherine Bigelow's, you know, overarching goal, which was to be informational and, and kind of stick to the facts in a way you can you can attach whatever you want to this film. I mean, there's plenty. There's there's enough in here for you to attach whatever um, inclinations or you know whatever uh, uh, mindset that you already have, and it will support that in a way. You know, if you think you know social justice warriors and all this you know stuff against you know cops is is bullshit, you can you can attach that to this film and look at it as yep. as propagate. Uh, 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 what was it? Um, just uh, yeah. Liberal propaganda, yeah. Propaganda, sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Yeah. Um, and and if you're already, you know, kind of Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, then then you right. attach that to that. It doesn't. I don't think it does anything to sway you to one side or the other. And and that that in and of itself is kind of a missed opportunity. I I think mm-hmm. it 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 becomes a stronger film if Catherine Bigelow has the. Um, I don't know. I don't know that she lacks the confidence to do that. Maybe that's not right, but no, for lack of a better term. <laughs> If she had the confidence to to put her own stamp, her own feelings onto this thing, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a stronger film. You know, whether that was you know one side or the other, whatever. But right. <laughs> to, yeah. By by kind of trying to like stand back and just let it speak for itself. I don't know. I think it's weaker overall overall for yeah. that.
1: Okay. So at this point, uh, we are going to go to to a short spoiler section. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. I'll peek at the end.
2: Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler?
1: That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but
0: then I'd have to kill you.
1: Alright, so you mentioned uh the the courtroom scene. Alright, so Yeah. Um, I liked that we... Jim Halpert. What the All right, hold on. Where did you come from? I know. I was like, what the fuck? Like, took me out of the entire movie when he showed up. I was like, what are you... John Krasinski, what the fuck are you doing here? Um, (laughs) But I liked the fact that it gave, you know, one of our black characters a chance to, like, stand up for himself, literally, and say something. And that was great. And it seemed, you know, maybe... I mean, I don't know if this actually happened or not, but it did seem pretty melodramatic, um, but it is a movie, so you kind of forgive it. But it almost felt like the movie is weaker for including the courtroom sequence um, because, again, it's another sequence of events where it's like, okay, uh, so we're going to have all the evidence in the world against these cops, and it's going to get thrown out, and they're going to be innocent, and they're going to walk scot-free. That's what's going to happen. Fine. Um, but I don't need yeah. 25 minutes of that. You know, I know that's going to happen. I actually feel like if you end the movie with our, our main character escaping, and I actually would have taken out the moment of, you know, of course, the white hero cop cradling him and telling him it's going to be okay and getting him to a hospital. It was like kind of like, ugh. I mean, even if that really happened as an image, you know, having this like almost like, kind of patriarchal symbol, like, this father symbol, like, let me take care of you, as this white cop in his, you know, his blue dress uniform. I was kind of like, ugh. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I think if you end the movie with him escaping, and then just have an overlay of, this is what happened, isn't this terrible, I think it has a greater effect, rather than this kind of elongated, you know, interviewing the cops, and having the courtroom sequence, and, you know, like you said, Jim Halpert, like, just being racist, like, I don't don't need that in my life. Like, that's...
0: (laughs) Two, two, two things about that. One about that scene with the cop kind of cradling him and finding Larry or whatever in the aftermath. Um, I think. i certainly rolled my eyes at that um Mm -hmm. but i wasn't i wasn't against having that scene i think i was against the dialogue i think there's something Mm. that the cops said something like who would do something like this?" oh yeah that felt really like okay what really you you, i mean just like in a war zone what are you talking about
1: (laughs) just like later in the movie when one of the cops like you know like you racist fuck you know it was just like okay yeah we get it he's i mean we've literally (laughs) seen him shoot 10 black people in the back in this movie
0: i think it's clear (laughs) like i got it (laughs) I was like, I was like, okay, well, that's all right, wow. Um, yeah. But, but then, but then, with the courtroom scene, I think, I think, definitely, it doesn't really have much of an effect. Certainly, not, it didn't have an effect on me. Yeah. Um, but you, you, uh, the missed opportunity there is following or, or. Um, Following one or two of those characters that we've right. been following through the Algiers Motel incident, and then have them basically have to relive this traumatic experience in this trial and be and them mm. them themselves be judged. That would be it. interesting. Yeah. But but instead we're given clips of like all of them right. kind of going through and giving their own little, like short testimony and then being cross examined and and it it loses that potential for for like having an emotional effect on us because we're given snippets of each and every person mm-hmm. uh, versus kind of a longer time with one person or two people or something like that. Um, and, and again, like, you know, these people like – Sitting on these people sitting on the stand, I I still I still didn't know who they were. I was like, wait, was that one of the people in in the motel? I I honestly don't remember. Yeah. Um. Okay, the white girl. Yeah, I know she was there. There was only two of them. Okay. (laughs) You know, Um, I mean, we kind of talked about
1: that how the movie does focus on the plight of these poor white girls a little bit, maybe extra than it than it needs
0: to. A little bit. A little bit. Or or I'd argue it's it's like lukewarm. Like it's not Mm -hmm. too cold where, you know, they they, they're only there for a little bit, just kind of like they were there. All right, Right. let's move on. Mm -hmm. And but it doesn't go hot where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, we can really explore like, okay uh, this notion of like white officers being really angry at white girls being with black boys in that Mm -hmm. whole racial dynamic. We don't go into that a lot where we could because that would be really interesting. We're kind of lukewarm in this in between. And it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, yeah.
1: it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, one last scene I wanted to talk about that there's not a lot in this movie where I felt like offended would be the wrong word. Um, but there is one specific moment in the film that I, like, I kind of, like, literally jerked back in my seat. Like, I kind of couldn't believe that this is the way they went. So they had a whole sequence um, with our, you know, the ultimate racist cop uh, played by Will Poulter, who was, I mean... Uh, he's as close to a mustache twirling villain as you're ever going to get. I mean, he, and he plays it really well. Like, I, I think it's a he good does. performance. I think it's he a does, terrifying yeah. performance. I kind of don't want to hang out with Will Poulter. Uh, but, <laughs> but there's a moment where he's like, you know, again, attempting to scare them into quote unquote, telling the truth Uh, and tells them to pray. Um, oh. <laughs> and, and it's a brutal sequence on its own, but the fact that they chose to have our main character of Larry kind of become a gospel gospel singing prayer Mm -hmm. moment like that i mean rub me the wrong way is too soft i mean that really bothered me and i just thought like you know and i mentioned earlier that there's a lot not a lot but there's a couple moments of kind of almost like narratives i've seen from slave films uh and that felt like that and the and the way that will poulter's character was like entertained by this and the way they stuck with that really bothered me and not in a way I think that it was supposed to bother me not in a like oh isn't this isn't this a bad situation but like that's a kind of a weird kind of bothersome choice to make in this movie
0: yeah yeah I I think I I felt the same way like I wasn't really like shaking my fist at the screen at that moment but it certainly Mm. it certainly bothered me I was like oh god this is a little too uh, I don't know weird I just I didn't I didn't yeah I didn't like it But, um, it wasn't like that. That certainly wasn't one of the scenes that like really stuck out to me (laughs) as being like really like, um, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, I felt something during that. Um, one, one of the other things that I ended up thinking about for a while after the movie and just didn't, didn't really know how to feel about was, um, uh, Larry's friend. I think his name was Fred. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I only know his name because I had to look it up. Right. <laughs> um. But his decision to, to stand up to Will Poulter's cop character at the end. Right. Right. He's given the choice to leave, you know, and and just say, you know, nothing happened here, right? And he's just like, yeah, no, no, you, there's you a dead killed. body there. Fuck you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and he stands up to him, right? It, even though it was clear he could lose his life, mm-hmm. right? I I I was. I was looking back and thinking, did that decision make sense? Um and and again this kind of goes back to me not really knowing who Fred was as a right. character before this. Uh-huh. Um he didn't particularly seem that courageous up until that point. Um there's a moment where they first get to the motel and Larry's kind of being like, "Hey, let's go over and talk to these white girls," right. you know, because and and there's this kind of sense that he's shy, he's meek, you know, yeah. and yeah, yeah, meek and timid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden he makes this courageous decision. So there's a little bit and of even a the development scene later
1: there. in the movie where they like Larry kind of goes, "We got to get out of here," and they try to escape. Yes, and that and and Fred is like, "Nah, I He's think hesitant. we should stay here. Like, I yeah. it's, like let's let's wait till this blows over." So for yeah. him to kind of magically have that arc that isn't really shown in the movie, where it's like, no, I mean, because like. I mean, it's nice to think that in a situation like that, we would be the type of person to go like, no, the truth is important. But the, yeah. va- not even the vast majority, like 99% of people, if given a choice of telling the truth and getting shot in the face or, <laughs> you know, lying and living are yeah. going to choose life. Like it's yeah. what we do as a species. That's why we're still here. So in order for that to work, I think it actually works better if Larry's character does that. Like, granted, mm-hmm. like, we have to stick to what actually happened because Larry does live through this. Does live, yeah. <laughs> but given what we've seen in the movie, it would make a lot more sense for him to be, you know, for him or uh, Anthony Mackie's character to kind of stand up and say, like, no, this is really what's going on here.
0: But again, that must have been that must have been a piece of information that was fictionalized and made up because right. if 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 the cops are the only ones there. Right. I where did this information come from? Mm-hmm. You know, no one else everyone else had, had left. All the other black characters right. are gone at this point. So, I'm assuming that was something else that the screenwriter fictionalized. And it's just interesting that that was I just again, another like disjointed choice that didn't yeah. really work for me. I don't know. Uh yeah, so I I think we're going to kind of wrap it up
1: here. I think I mean, we spent a lot of time kind of talking about this in a meta contextual way because I think and I think the movie is meant to be viewed that way. I don't think I don't think this is a straightforward story that's just meant to be like, well, enjoy this story, guys. Uh, two and a half hours later, you can go home and not think about it. I think it's designed to think about it. So I think that's fine. And I do want to say again, like, this is a, w- in a lot of ways, a well constructed, well made film. Uh, I think, I think there are things in it that are worth seeing, but I also find it difficult to recommend it to people in that way where you could just recommend anything. Um, but, I, but I think if you want to see Catherine Bigelow's work, uh, and you want to see, and you want to see it, and you're okay with seeing a story that is brutal then it's then it's a movie to see but if especially if you are a person of color in the United States I I can't imagine talking to any of my friends who are non-white who are black, latino, asian like and going like you should really see Detroit like no you don't yeah. need to see Detroit like you you see the world like this is not <laughs> this is yeah. not something that's going to open your eyes um, you know, maybe for white people who are not as aware of what's going on, it might be an interesting thing to see so you can see kind of how far we have not come. But it's a really it's a difficult movie. I mean, I think that's the best way I can put it.
0: Sure, yeah, I agree, agree. I mean, this is uh in a in a from a technical standpoint, I think like you said, like really well made, paced, um and structured. Narratively, I have issues with it. And I think that's where it ultimately falters and doesn't really allow you the chance to, um, feel for these characters in a way that, um, I think they're owed in a way. Right. Um, and, and again, maybe this, this works for, you know, certain, certain white people. They can go and see this film and, and be affected in a way that, um, Changes them, um, or maybe doesn't. Uh, And and yeah, people of color probably do not need to see this. I I don't think it adds anything to your life. (laughs) Right. Um. But but if you if you choose to, fine. Uh. It. it, I don't think it added much to me, (laughs) to my experience at all. So yeah. All right.
1: Great. Um. So uh, one more time before you take off, why don't you tell people how they can contact you and your show on Twitter.
0: Yes. Uh, So once again, uh, I am the co-host of the Cinema Bun Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, everywhere but SoundCloud. Uh, Just search for Cinema Bun on Google or hit us up on our website, Um, cinemabunpodcast.com. We're on Twitter at Cinema Bun Cast. And if you want to follow me specifically, uh, you can follow me at Ethiopian Boy. Yeah, you can
1: follow, uh, you can follow Baruch and, uh, talk about really good John Boyega movies like Star Wars, cause that's, yeah. that's all I want to talk about. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, so we're gonna, uh, take a break and we actually have fangirl fixation this week for once. So that'll be great. Uh, we are talking not only about the movies coming out next week, including The Glass Castle, which we will be covering uh but also Britt is going to watch what i think is the very best catherine bigelow movie which is not point break although that is excellent what? uh we no. are i know we are going to talk about strange days uh starring ray fines and uh oh god names are failing me uh ray fines <laughs> juliette lewis um and god damn it why is my brain today you know what's the worst part about this is I'm forgetting the black actress who's in this movie. Yes, after all this, <laughs> after all this.
0: Oh, um, Angela Bassett. Thank is you. Yes, yes.
1: yes, yes, and starring Angela Bassett, uh, who is my favorite part of the movie, uh, even though I can't remember her name. Apparently, uh, so, so I don't
0: know what episodes we've done on our podcast. You don't know. Your <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actresses. We're we're kind
1: of on the same level. All right, so we will take that break and we will be right back. This is Chris Maynard. I'm host of the
0: Following Films podcast. Every week I discuss a current release with one of the creative forces behind the film. Whether it's Giles Nutkin's Talking Heller Highwater, High Water, Leah Thompson discussing her work on Trouble
1: with the Truth, or Jeremy Sandy chatting about his work on Deepwater Horizon. You can find our episodes
0: on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you find podcasts. <laughs> Better yet, you can go to followingfilms.com. Check out our latest episode, get some film news, reviews, and all sorts of goodness. Uh, that was my son, Jacob. He says hello, and he really wants you to check out the show.
1: All right, so we're back from our break, so... Surprise! This week we actually have Fangirl Fixation, the triumphant return of Brit. So thank you for coming back, Brit.
2: What is so triumphant about it?
1: I'm just happy that we get to do this again. Uh, I like doing this part of the show.
2: That you have a probe droid for a microphone now. I, I know, right? It for two weeks, and this is what happens.
1: It's awesome. It's Weird. Uh, yeah, it is also weird, like most awesome things. So, uh, anything you uh, want to get off your chest or talk about before uh, we get to the movie stuff?
2: You am my first ever little tiny man.
1: Yeah, nobody knows what that means. That sounds weird. Uh, She's, like, getting even more geeky somehow and moved into Warhammer.
2: I think I've talked about it briefly on another episode. But, yeah, but now... I just
1: probably just, like, glazed over... Now I actually have
2: my starter army and have to, like, assemble and paint things, so...
1: Well, I'm glad you're keeping yourself busy while I'm gone. It's good.
2: See, this is what happens. This
1: is what happens when I leave. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. All right, um, so this week, of course, we just got done talking about Catherine Bigelow's movie, Detroit. So now we're going to be talking about another one of her movies, Strange Days. So um, before we get started on that, what is your, um, what's your history with like Catherine Bigelow movies? Does, does that like even ring a bell? Do you uh, like...
2: I, well, so I thought I had seen a lot more of her movies, actually, uh, but I guess I hadn't. So I saw... So part, you've seen long, point Break, right? I, I saw Point Break um like a long time ago and then um i saw hurt locker with you Mm because people kept telling us that we needed to watch it so we did i enjoyed that one but i thought i had seen like i or maybe i just thought that she has done more movies so then yeah she
1: actually i mean she has 19 credits on her imdb but like there's a, a documentary short a tv movie a couple tv episodes so it's like probably about 10 movies so it's A movie called The Loveless, uh, a movie we just watched for the show called Near Dark, which is a vampire movie. Blue Steel, which is a cop movie with Jamie Lee Curtis. Point Break. Strange Days, which we'll talk about. A movie called The Weight of Water, which I never saw. I don't know if you ever saw K-19, The Widowmaker. It was Uh like a submarine movie Uh with Harrison Ford with a terrible Russian accent.
2: Oh, yes, I did.
1: Yeah, yeah. so you've seen that one. Uh, The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, which you still haven't seen, and now Detroit. Um, So what were you thinking, like, kind of Uh, like, as you sat down to watch it, finally, like, did you have any, like, preconceived notions about her as a director or the movie itself?
2: Um, well, I feel like she kind of takes on a lot more of people's, um, how do I want to phrase this? Like, the darker sides of people's mental stability.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, that's definitely in Strange Days. Yeah. For sure. Well, I
2: mean, and then, like, she she does a lot of military movies, so she deals with PTSD and things like that as well, so... Um, I feel like she she deals with some things that are a little more stigmatized. Sure. But does it in a way that it's not hurtful.
1: Okay. All right. So, the, given that going in, what did you think of Strange Days?
2: Uh, well, I think I need to be able to read synopsis more clearly. Yeah. Because um, it's
1: definitely got some things that you usually don't like seeing in movies. Yeah. Like, there's a dog certainly in danger, and there is... There's rape going on in the movie on more yeah. than one occasion.
2: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Britney's learn reading comprehension. <laughs> um, but overall, like, except for those moments, like, I like the
1: movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, seeing Ray Fines with, right, right? Is that his name?
1: Rafe Fines. Rafe. Yes.
2: I always say it wrong.
1: Yeah, there's, you know. We're English speakers. We're yeah. always going to say it wrong. So uh,
2: seeing him with the with the stubble and the long hair was weird. And it took me about halfway through the movie because, like, I kept being like, "He looks like somebody," and I can't figure out who it is that I think he reminds me of. Bradley Cooper.
1: Yeah, he kind of does. Was... Bradley Cooper with a better accent.
2: Yeah, it was That's... it was a little weird. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like the movie overall. I think it fits very much into like the the Blade Runner and other sci fi's like you that know, that I like.
1: It's funny you mention that because, like, I never. Like, not like I was like, oh, it couldn't possibly be like Blade Runner, but it never leapt to mind as I watched it. I've seen mm-hmm. this movie two or three times. And, but when I was watching it this time, and you didn't mention it while I were watching the movie, but no. I couldn't stop thinking about Blade Runner. Yeah. But it was like, like Blade Runner shows the dirt and grime, but kind of in passing. Right. With this other kind of hunting story that's going on. Right. Whereas this really, you really you're, go you're in the dirt and grime. It, yeah. yeah. So um so yeah, um, I'm glad you liked it. Um, this is my favorite Catherine Bigelow movie, actually. This is my oh. favorite of hers. Interesting. Um, I, I mean, I, I love Point Break, but, like, I mean, if you're being on, I think if anyone's being honest, there's a little bit of, like, an, an irony-like going on with Point Break. Like, it's mm-hmm. fun because there are... It's still a good movie, but there are definitely moments, especially of acting in that movie, that are pretty bad. I mean, right. Patrick Swayze and Connor Reeves, at that point in their career, were not, you know, these are not Oscar-winning actors. Like, yeah. so it's, it's really great to watch this kind of hyper-masculinity... And almost homoeroticism going on. I think that's a really interesting way to look at the genre. Mm. Um, but this, like, as a movie, like, I think really works. I think the the plot really works. I think the acting is really good. The the world building is phenomenal.
2: Almost. I was ha- so the one thing that I was I was talking about this with one of our friends last night. Um, there were definitely moments that I was getting like, ooh, this is this is this is our future." Actually, like right now, like this is our present. Like, there's a whole scene where like she she uh, confronts the cops. Mm-hmm. and, like, takes them down, and then um, she's, like, down. she's sitting there, like, <laughs> she's she's totally, like, as soon as she sees the rest of the cops, like, stops, puts her hands up, yep. does everything she's supposed to, says, let me explain, let me explain, let me explain, and they beat the shit out of her.
1: So I was wondering what you thought of it, because, like, wh- the other times I've seen this movie, I-, I didn't really, like, I didn't have a moment of, like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about that, but given where we are culturally right now, it's interesting that Catherine Bigelow kind of chose the... Like, because anyone could have been beaten down in that situation. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that the, like, the only real black character in this film is the one that gets kind of beaten and attacked. Yeah. You know, I mean, Refines takes his beatings but, for sure, but right. not from the police.
2: Right. And and I think that, but, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, there's there's so much of this movie that is talking about what's happening right now. like. Yeah. Like with the Jericho one getting assassinated Mm -hmm. and how it was by the police and trying to cover it up. And, and I like, I'm not, um, like people are going to start getting all upset no matter what. I'm not anti-cop, but I'm anti-corruption.
1: Sure. Sure.
2: So like, and there's a lot of
1: corruption within the police force.
2: Right. And now and then. So, so, and if we can't sit there and look at it and say like this, like this movie is literally mirroring what's Mm -hmm. happening right now. And like the fact that like she was. She was trying to, like, do the right thing and go to the cops and say there was a problem and nobody was wanting to listen to her because she was a black woman.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, That's still really prevalent.
1: What did you feel about the white savior moment in this where, like, the the leader of the cops comes to her rescue at the very end, like, kind of like, stop, everybody stop. That would on hand, that woman, you know, it's very yeah. like presentational, and and it felt like I mean, I love this movie, but it still feels like a a tiny bit of a, of a cop out. where you're So there was like, yeah. So uh... I felt
2: it that way not only with um with the commissioner coming forward, but also with um uh Lenny's character mm-hmm. at the end. Like, no, I had to come back and like accept her.
1: Right. Uh, I, for me, that romance really works. I think the no, way they the, built the it the romance works.
2: works. What squicks me is the like white male thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you can get wrapped up in that, but, like, I think those character for me, those characters are built up well enough with, like, not only the the flashback that we have of Lenny and her when they first meet, but the way they interact, how she is re- very tough right. on him, but, but cares you, about him. Like, you him, brought and... up the
2: white savior thing, and that's very much what Lenny is sure. supposed to be as well, as a white savior.
1: I mean, but, to be fair, throughout the rest of the movie, she is saving his oh, ass time yeah, after time. no, after she, time. Is, no so she
2: totally is.
1: I think that's probably why I'm more okay with it, is it's more even right
2: but then it's like i don't know it's it's there's still like a little bit towards that relationship Mm. that i didn't like towards the end just didn't feel like super comfortable
1: i think the thing that was interesting to me about this movie and watching it this time is the idea of morality in this movie how the whole setup of lenny's lenny's job his career is to to kind of sell these tapes where people can experience things that they wouldn't do in real life whether it's you know, having sex outside of your marriage or it's doing something violent or it's right. scaling a mountain. And when you talk about these things that are clearly morally wrong, like rape, like murder, these type of things. Yeah, does but that it, was
2: like, that's the, that's, those are blackjacks he wouldn't deal in.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, the, but that, that world certainly exists in this world. Right? right. So, so I was wondering what you thought about like, does, is that better? Is that worse? You know, well, like, cause you're not doing it right, but you're experiencing it. But also it. in
2: society, it's still considered illegal. Yeah. What they were doing.
1: No, so, I was wondering what you thought though about like the morality of the action in particular, like experiencing this through virtual reality instead of going out and doing it. It's the idea of like, well, if I get this taste of the dark side, I won't need to go out and push those limits.
2: I don't know for me, it's still a matter of honesty, like especially like if uh like like you're saying like with the, the, like having sex with somebody else mm-hmm. um for me, that would still be wrong because you're wanting that experience if you're doing it beside behind somebody's back right. Right? Like, if you're saying, like... if you have
1: an agreement with your partner. Like, I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. Fine. Yeah. But...
2: Like, I have these interests. It means I'm not going out and finding somebody else. mm
1: -hmm. Like,
2: as long... Like, so, like, for me, like, it's all the honesty kind of thing. is still a big trigger and button for me. It's, like... Yeah. Like, I I believe it's wrong if you're not being honest about what you're doing.
1: Right. Yeah. So... So did you have, like, a favorite character in this movie or, like, a performance that surprised you? Like, for me, the performance that surprised me is Juliette Lewis. Uh, because she's, I mean, she's, she's fine. She's a fine actor, but like, she's never done anything that's really wowed me. Like she was a natural born killer. She like, she really got into that kind of role of these outlandish characters. And there's a little bit of that in here. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the moments that she's being the most outlandish, she's like putting on a face to get Lenny to safety. Like there's that whole sequence of like, don't try to save me. Like that's very clearly her trying to get him away. Right. So he is safe. Um, but I really liked her performance in this and that really surprised me both acting wise and like the, um, the music aspect too. Yeah.
2: I liked, I liked her. I liked Angela Bassett. She's great. Um, I did like the fact that, that Lenny did have his breaking point of realizing that she was a toxic person and walking away. Like, okay, I did my part now. Like Like, I'm done with you. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, like the, I think without Angela Bassett, I think this movie really falls apart. Totally. Totally. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I think you need her so you know that Lenny isn't completely garbage. You
2: know what sucks is she's probably still billed as a supporting actress.
1: Oh, guaranteed. But to be fair, I'm looking at the poster right now. She's on the very top. Oh. Goes her and then Lenny and then Juliette Lewis's character. All so right. that's kind of
2: cool. That's, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I remember when this movie came out, it was, because I don't think Ray Fiennes had done a lot in 1995. Like, people knew him. Like, he had done a couple of things, but he wasn't, like, a star.
2: Right. I
1: think Angela Bassett might have been the biggest name. When this first came out, because this is probably after the like Tina Turner biopic. Right. Uh, What's Love Got to Do With It? So, so yeah, but it, it's interesting to me that like she is, she is top billed here, at least on this poster. And I don't think she shows up until a half hour into the movie. Yeah. Like that, I didn't remember that. Like, as I sat down to watch it, I was like, what the fuck is Angela Bassett? Right. Why are we wasting time? Let's get to it, you know? Uh, but yeah, like she's great. Um, what did you think? I mean, obviously, because you're you, you figured out the oh, nice. the ending yeah. uh, before it happened. So how did you see? Because sometimes I think people get wrapped up in, well, I saw it coming. So that means it's bad. And I think sometimes when people see things coming, it means it's well written. It means like these things are put in place and you as a viewer separate from the situation can piece it together in a way that the main character wouldn't be able to because they're under stress. Mm-hmm. So which one is this? Do you feel like this was poorly written or do you feel like this was like, things actually made sense, and that's why you put it together. No, I think it
2: actually made sense, and I think it's... And I think if it's really well-written, you figure it out a beat before the the, the yeah, character Yeah, because I don't does. think it's meant to
1: be like a twist, like an M. Night Shyamalan right. no. end of Sixth Sense. Oh my God. Like, it's like, oh, well, because, because here I we think, are. I
2: think that's also part of her plan because like they talk about paranoia a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I think you're supposed to figure it out a little bit before right. the main character does because then you're just, because then that adds to your sense of dread and anxiety and, and Like what's going like, to happen to this right. person I've been following right.
1: forever. And I think uh, Tom Sizemore is a great casting choice for the, the villain. We find out as the villain of this piece because he just immediately looks untrustworthy. Yeah. But you, I think at the beginning, you kind of push that aside because everyone in this world is pretty untrustworthy. Like, he's in the underground. Like, so it makes sense. Um, So what did you think? We have to, we can't get through this without talking about Michael Wincott, one of your favorites. Mm. Um, So what did you think of his performance here? Like, where does it rate? Like, if you've got, like, um, the guy from The Crow at the top and then you've got Guy of Gisborne in uh, Robin Hood, Prince, Prince of Thieves. Is this, like, Lower than that is this in the middle? I know it's not going to ever reach above the crow for no,
2: you. No, it's not.
1: Nothing ever could.
2: Yeah, I think it's in the middle.
1: Okay, so you like this better than his performance in Robin Hood?
2: I think so, but it's been a long time since I've seen Robin Hood, and also, I mean, let's, I mean, let's talk about that Robin Hood. Like, do we have to? R- well, but I'm just saying. <laughs> so, like, the best parts of that movie are really the two him, villains, him. him no, Alan Rickman, yeah, Alan, Alan Rickman, Rickman. and then and Morgan Freeman, like, it, like those yeah. are the those are the people who are carrying that whole fucking movie. Kevin Costner, I don't know what the hell you were doing. A
1: bad accent, and oh then right, just got rid of it in the middle of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, so I really liked him in this movie too. Like he's just kind of delightfully smarmy in this movie. Like he's he perfect feel like casting. That's
2: how he is in like pretty much everything.
1: Well, yeah, I mean every role ever. I mean after he's finished, like what did you say? Like eating glass, uh, so his voice can sound that way. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh in terms of Strange Days, um would you call this a great movie? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Okay. I
2: think it, I think it goes along with Blade Runner. Like okay. with the whole like we're going to disassemble humanity. It'd be a great double feature we, right, these two
1: movies. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um so where does this rank for you as far as the the movies by Bigelow you've seen?
2: Um,
1: like is Point Break your favorite?
2: No, I think this would be my favorite now. And then Point Break and then Hurt Locker after that.
1: And they're all really good. Like yeah. That's that's a nice... Like, if Point Break is like your three out of three, that's pretty good. You know, that's pretty good for a director. Because that's still a pretty good movie. Um, not a fan of Point Break, huh?
2: What? I thought it was in the middle.
1: What? No, you, you said this was... This was first, and then Hurt Locker, and then Point Break.
2: No, I said this, Point Break, and then Hurt oh, Locker. Oh,
1: okay. All right, fair enough. All right. So her Oscar-winning movie, her Oscar-winning movie, is the last place. That's... Well,
2: it's, but that's because, like you know, I have issues with military movies, anyway. Sure,
1: sure. So uh, the last thing before we move on, have you watching this movie? Does it remind you? I mean, obviously, Blade Runner. But like moving forward in time, do do, do any movies remind you of Strange Days, or does this kind of stand out? Because for me. I I watch this, and aside from something like Blade Runner and older films, like, I haven't seen anything like this. Yeah,
2: I was going to say, I can't really think of anything that's modern.
1: It's kind of crazy that this is over over 20 years old. Yeah. Like, this came out in 95, so this was 22 years ago.
2: Yeah, I can't think of anything that has been out in the last 10 years that makes me think of it. It Like, it does just feel like it fits in with Blade Runner and, like, right. you know, back when film was actually kind of pushing
1: things. Mm-hmm. Pushing and, boundaries. Yeah. And, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Well, I'm glad you like Strange Days, despite the the kind of subject material that's a little rough for you, or a, a lot, lot rough you, for Michael. you.
2: You did try to warn me.
1: I tried. I did my best, Um, at least about one of the things. The yeah, other thing, I the didn't, because I'm a jerk. Dropped. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad it wasn't a disappointment for you. Um, So, now we're going to move on to what's coming out next week. Um, And, you know, a movie just like Strange Days, uh, The Nut Job 2, Nutty yeah. by Nature. Uh, so Britt, this is your wheelhouse—kids' so, movies. So, what did you think of the trailer for the nutjob Job Two?
2: Um, I think it stuck in line with the first one, though I think this is going to be worse than so, the first. So, one. what does
1: that mean? Stuck in line with the first one? Is like, it, like the like kind just of as jokes bad, that it hits. And like, and like, did yeah. you like the first one? What did you think of the first one?
2: I liked the first one, but not as much as I thought I was going to based on right. the trailers. And so that's why I feel like this trailer actually is being a little more open and honest of what kind of movie that it's is be. not funny. <laughs> yeah, Dave, Dave's like, I'm waiting to laugh. What was
1: it? there was one more in the trailer I did the find mole, funny? The
2: whack. Oh yeah, the
1: whack-a-mole whacking people. I mean, I'm just a violent person. I guess I find that entertaining. <laughs> How do but you the, like it? For the rest of the trailer, I was just kind of like, I mean, I get why it's one of those movies where you're like, okay, I get why you would take your kids to this. I get why kids would like be, it, but... it shouldn't
2: be a kid movie, though. That's the thing. Like, It's why? supposed to be more of an adult
1: animated movie. Is it? Yeah. Why? I mean, what... What? Not it's, like I'm accusing you. No, but What stands like, out it's as it's... A...
2: It's in the vein of, like, Ants.
1: Oh, uh, it doesn't seem that mature. Like, Ants is... Ants is fucking weird. No, ants it is. is like... <laughs>
2: it is, but, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's it's more along that line, though, than an actual kid movie, like, you know, The Secret Life of Pets.
1: Fair. Like... Fair. Yeah. Uh, and you know, for better or worse, this has given Katherine Heigl work, so she has a voice in this movie. Can't she just go away? No, she can't. She's trying trying to make a living, I guess. Yeah. So this this trailer like did nothing for me. Like I was just kind of like, I remember seeing the trailer for the first one, and I think the first trailer for that was much better than this. Like there were definitely moments. But yeah, but then but, but then the movie we itself the movie was, like, like, was
2: not good after that trailer. Good
1: God! I was so that's just what I'm
2: saying. Like, this one's being honest.
1: Yeah, I I knew it was bad when I looked over and you looked bored. Because <laughs> you like kids' movies a lot more than I do. And yeah. and if you're like, I'm kinda over this, I was like, Oh god, I don't feel so bad for being snarky in my heart. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah, so this movie, you know, I guess if you have kids and you'd like ninety minutes apiece, uh yeah, go for it. Yeah. But other than that, not really interested. All right, so um the second movie is Annabelle Creation, which of course is the sequel to Annabelle, um, which is, you know, the kind of the haunted doll. Um, I didn't see that one
2: either. Yeah, I and didn't I, see, I didn't see it. I don't give a crap about seeing this one. Aowyn, I'm very disappointed
1: in you. Oh, yeah. Miranda Otto. Well, I mean, I can't blame her. She's finally, she's working, you know, yeah. like no one else is casting her. So, I don't know. Like the idea of a haunted doll is interesting to me because uh, dolls are always creepy. I mean, the, right. the thing I first think of when I see any movie with a haunted doll is that old uh, Twilight Zone episode with yeah. the with the dummy yeah. uh, that comes to life. So, it's creepy. I mean, I could see why people would want to see it. I kind of want to, if I'm going to watch this, I kind of want to see the original before i see this fair. because i'm sure there's there's at least odes in the second one at least like these like yeah, little the, connections to
2: like, yeah
1: yeah and you know i i like the i i tend to like this production company miranda otto is good um i like anthony lapaglia i'm glad to see him getting work even if it's in like kind of a overwrought horror franchise franchise but like i don't know <sighs> The the thing that stands out to me that I think I won't like about this movie is even the trailer has five jump scares. Yep. Like I was just like I'm not I'm just not like I'm not 12. I'm not impressed by that anymore. Like ooh I mean and I'll jump you know this yeah. Um, but like there's a difference between being startled and being scared. Right. And I'd much rather be scared than startled. Yeah. Like just a loud note from your score that's not enough to scare me. Right. You know it might get a physical reaction but I'm not scared in my heart so. So yeah, there's not much about this that was really there to talk about other than like, you know, there's a it's in an orphanage, I guess, and these kids are being terrorized by this doll and it's and like there's a eh.
2: cripple girl, supposedly.
1: Yeah, there's there's a girl with like uh something on her leg to help her walk and like the, the whole thing starts out with her just falling down. Like that's like, I really
2: hope they explain that better than it's like maybe it's just a broken leg that's getting mended or something like that. Because if we're gonna go down the route of another handicapped girl that's getting played by an able bodied person mm. I'm going to have issues again.
1: Sure. Yeah. So there's not a lot here, I think to really talk about, but I think if, if you're one of those people who loves all horror movies, good or bad, like you're going to see this anyway, you're not going to be listening to me, but this does not jump out as a horror movie that I, I like need to go out and see. This is not the Babadook. This is not, it follows. This is just, you know, one more in that line. And it's,
2: it follows yet.
1: Uh, yeah, you weren't as big a fan as I was. Um, but yeah, this is this is one of those movies I feel like would be better to just kind of wait and watch at home. Like yep. I would be fine watching this.
2: Pizza, beer, at home. can yell at it. Exactly.
1: All right. So the movie we're actually covering next week is *The Glass Castle*, um, which is uh, written and directed by Destin Daniel Cretton and uh, stars Brie Larson, Woody Harrelson, and Naomi Watts. Um, so, Britt, what did you think of this trailer? It seems like. Uh, you know, Captain Fantastic. Yeah, the later I gonna, years, I was
2: gonna say that's. I mean, that's. It just feels like a different version of it, but yeah.
1: Was so, there anything that stood out to you as like, oh, I would want to see this movie now, or did it all just kind of fade? I, if like,
2: it hadn't been for Captain Fantastic, I probably wouldn't have want to see this movie. Oh, okay. So like, I have more interest in it because I liked Captain Fantastic.
1: Okay, well, that's that's something. I think I I always have trouble with Woody Harrelson in dramatic roles. Mm. Um, I had I had a little bit of this issue when we saw War for Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. Where, like, I see that dude's face and I just want to laugh. Right. Like, he's a comedic actor to me first. And it's not that he can't do drama. He absolutely can. He's been in dramas that I've appreciated. And this might be one of them. I don't know. Uh, But it's hard for me to get past that as I move forward. Right. But I I really like Brie Larson. I think she's a really great actress. So I'm, like, willing. I like the fact that she's doing movies like this. Because coming up soon, you know, she's going to be a part of the kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, She's playing Captain Marvel. So... Mm -hmm um she'll probably be a lot busier with those kind of projects so it's nice to see her doing smaller things uh and this is of course the same director and star tandem that did the movie we're going to cover short term 12 which was also really good so i think but i think if i hadn't seen that like if i was in your position i would i saw this trailer and i was like no interest Mm -hmm. like it looks schmaltzy yeah it looks like hippy dippy like it just looks like i'm just not interested you know, in, in these people who are like, we got to be different. You know, right. like, I watched this trailer and I feel like the movie is trying to get you to a place where you understand why her parents did what they did and it was the best for her in the end. But I find myself firmly on the side of Brie Larson up the square who's, like, just trying to work her 9-to-5 job and forget about her crazy fucking parents. You know, like, I, I definitely, like, I I relate to her a lot more than I do these, like, weird parents. So it's good. I think the... The movie has a tough road But I think to get that's, through. But I
2: think that's the point: is you're supposed to side with her, and then at the you're beginning, supposed, and you're supposed to go through a journey with her to like have like some sort of whatever thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if if I can get there as I an can tell audience member. Super ever. excited. Yeah, you sound super excited. So, but if you had to choose between these three movies, which one would you choose?
2: Probably would still see Nut Job Two. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, I'm not doing an episode on the Nut Job Two Nutty by Nature. I just that no that's not gonna happen so we will be doing an episode on short term 12 and then on the glass castle so anything else you'd like to add before we close up here with fangirl fixation
2: no i'm sleepy
1: you sleepy okay all right all right so as i said uh the next episode you hear we will be doing an episode on short term 12 uh so until then i will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging
2: you
1: like at least you have a white person to blame. At least you'd be like that fucking Dave. God damn it! <laughs> and I'll take Perfect. that on. Yes. like that's that's totally great. valid. Yes.
0: Great, great. 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 I mean, it usually it's it it really makes me you know feel good about myself when I get to blame a white person about something. Yeah, it's, it's, and, it's, and also like they're not. That's and kind the of my white person isn't
1: going to be like I didn't do anything. Like how dare you? <laughs> I'm an ally. I'm one of the good ones. <laughs> Like, because at that point, you're willing to say anything to get out of this situation. Oh, yeah. Especially to a stranger. (laughs) Like, you think I'm not going to rat out a stranger? Fuck you. I don't know, you motherfucker. I'm trying to live. (laughs) Like,
0: it's like. Exactly. Like, like, what? I I mean, I'd be like, look, I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but there was a starter pistol somewhere. Right. Upstairs, maybe. Especially because at that Uh, point,
1: Carl's already dead. Ugh, yeah. So, like, I don't know. Hire some black people, maybe. That might be a good idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 right.
0: I, would, I would think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. but... and why know. is that you not can... obvious?
1: That's the thing that boggles my Even... mind. That, like, that's something that be like, oh, I never thought about that. Maybe I should have black <laughs> like... Like,
0: do I don't know, it's tough. It's tough. Even past that, I'm like, I feel like as, as a director, as a person who's done film, I don't know, shouldn't it be more obvious that there's not a lot of... Depth to these characters whatsoever? I don't know. I don't right. even think a black person needs to be around to tell you that. I just apparently they do. <laughs> but if you told me, you know,
1: like you know, fill in white director here is going to make a movie about Ferguson, be like, Ooh,
2: <laughs> <okay>.
1: <laughs> let's. uh oh boy! Especially if it's Colin Trevorrow. You know what? I would watch that movie, <laughs> Colin Trevorrow's Ferguson. How dare you? How dare you?
0: How dare you, sir? We What's, don't speak that name here. Okay, so
1: let me, let me offer you something. If I could guarantee you that Colin Trevorrow was going to leave Star Wars, but he was going to make a movie about the Black experience in 2017, would you take that deal? No, okay. no, I wouldn't. So I wouldn't. more label, that's, that's, more that's loyal that's to Star Black Wars. people than Star have, Wars. Okay, that's good. I have
0: to be. <laughs> I don't have a choice. <laughs> I, I I I was while you were while you were proposing that, I was thinking about it like. Oh.
1: Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, next time, if uh, if there's ever a movie that, like, there's a white person as the main character and you need a guest. I mean, I know it doesn't happen know. very often. Yeah, I don't know if we'll but... be able to find one. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. But I'm your guy. Just just let me know. <laughs> so Dave's here with the White Receptor. Yeah. Dave. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's about time we're finally represented in film. Yes. I mean, really. Yes. It's been Let's... minutes